0: Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I am your host, Jesus, and I am a partner here at the Musty Creative. The Musty Creative supports storytelling and storytellers that kindle love in the hearts of humankind. We are very grateful to have you with us today. In this episode, I have a wonderful conversation with Vita Cruz, who is a young lawyer serving as in-house associate counsel at Gearbox Software. Gearbox Software is known primarily for making the Borderlands video game series. I'm so excited to share this interview with all of you. So, let's start the show. my Musty Collective. Our special guest today is Vita Cruz, who is a lawyer in the gaming industry. She currently works for Gearbox Software, the creators of Borderlands, which is just so awesome. Uh, I've been wanting to interview people in the games industry for a while now, so thank you for being on the Musty Creative Podcast, Vita. Welcome to the program. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's Gulp. There's a lot of uh, craziness going on behind me. Um, I'm super excited to be here. (laughs) Um, It's going great. Um, Just, you know, chugging out the work day by day, learning every day what video game law has to offer. Um, It's a very wide industry. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about what's going on.
0: Yeah, no, awesome. Very good, very good. So let's get right into the first question. Vita, what is your origin story?
1: Well... I grew up in Miami, um, all the pastelitos and cafecitos that my little heart desired, and I went to undergrad there as well, University of Miami, and I started off studying political science, but then I switched over to creative writing. I have like a creative soul, and oh, wow. during yeah, during my time there, I was also cosplaying because I was always really into you know video games and anime, so I was doing that for a long time, and then I remember one time I went to a convention because I used to go to a bunch of conventions in my cosplays, and there was a time that I saw a seller that was actually selling my pictures without my permission, and I know that this oh, is wow. yeah, it's rampant like online too, you know people just like spreading pictures and whatnot uh without the original creator's permission, so I figured I really don't like that, and I don't want that happening to anybody else so that inspired me to go to law school and try and help other artists that were in the same position where they find that their work is being reshared or reposted without their permission um even worse if others are making money off of it that's not cool so yeah yeah, so I, I went to law school at University of Miami, and um, after my first year, I'm sure a lot of one else can attest to this. I it was stressful, it was it sucked. So I fell out of love with law. Um, so I wanted to find something else, and I found that in business. I really liked business. I was working at a startup, kind of like an incubator for students, but. Um, you know, students would come in and and say their ideas, and then we'd help them talk about the business aspect. So that made me want to uh, pursue an MBA. So I pursued the MBA and the JD at the same time. And yeah, and then in my last year of law school, um, they were offering this video game law course. And at this point, I was already like, I don't want to be a lawyer. Like, I just, I don't know, I fell out of love with it. But once I saw that video game law was a thing, that there was um, a space for me in the legal and pretty much business world in the video game space, which is something that I was really passionate about, I've instantly fell in love. And yeah, yeah, I decided to do everything possible in my power to get a video game job in the legal industry, no, a legal job in the video game industry. And hustle, 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 took the bar past yeah. it. And then here I am working at Gearbox and I couldn't be happier.
0: That's Oh, wow, that's amazing. So you were at a convention, you saw someone selling your artwork illegally and you're like, wow, I'm gonna go like kick butt for other artists right now. And like I'm I'm assuming everything worked out, where you're able to tell that guy or girl stop doing what they're what they're doing. No. As well?
1: No. Oh, wow. And I feel like this might be um, an issue where sometimes the artist may be a little shy or afraid to confront somebody who's using their artwork or else the other person on the other side just won't respond and won't care um so at the time when i first saw that i was really shocked because i was like why is this here and it's not the first time it had happened in that that was the first time i saw it in person which is why it had such a huge effect on me but i'd seen it online like a bunch of pages would repost my um images without my permission and even after i stopped cosplaying because when i went to law school i felt like well, I had all sorts of people telling me, you can't cosplay anymore. That's not professional. That's not, you know. Mm. And so I actually stopped for a while. Um, so I started, like, on my Instagram, you know, I, I create these posts with about the games that I love. And I try and make them right. aesthetic and nice. Um <laughs> but people were also resharing and reposting those without my permission and not crediting me. And that's really annoying for a creator because the very least that someone who's reposting or resharing can do is at least like credit the person so that it can drive traffic to your page. You know, the original source of the creation, but some people don't care or they, or sometimes, (laughs) you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They don't, they don't know who the creator is. So I feel like that's why it's important for you to watermark your work, not just because it'll give you any kind of like legal uh, plus because the copyright is yours as soon as you create it. That's the way it is. But um, it, it'll help drive traffic back to your page. But anyway, it had been happening for a while and I didn't like that, so I wanted to help. And it's interesting at least for me because I'm not necessarily representing the artist in the traditional sense, like at a law firm, but I'm doing it for the company, the artist in the company. You know, I'm trying to Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure that there's no issues with the games that we create or anything we put in them like that's part of my job duties (laughs)
0: Going back to like the start of your gaming love, like were your parents really supportive? Was it like that one Christmas day where you opened up the Super Nintendo or the Sega Genesis? I got the Sega Genesis. All my friends got Nintendo and I was left out for like a long time. What was it for like for you?
1: Well, I see your Nintendo 64 shirt and yes. kudos. Yes, I like it. Um, Thank you. I, yeah, no, my parents introduced me to gaming when I was very little with the NES. I had the Duck oh, Hunt wow. combo pack with the Super Mario Bros., and we would play all the time as ki- uh, when I was a kid. And then we had, you know, when the Nintendo 64 came out, it was, like, the most amazing thing because you had a 3D game. It wasn't just a 2D right. platformer now. It was, like, there was actual 3D platform elements in it. Yeah,
0: Mario 64 changed my, changed right? my life as far as, like, 3D platforming yes. for sure.
1: Yes, yes. That was the first game that I played on the N64, and I just have really, like, very specific, deep memories of that game. So that's probably why it's, like, one of my favorites still today. Um Playing other games on the N sixty four, you know, going to, going to ah oh, going to Blockbuster Pokemon, Pokemon and Stadium? renting other games, huh?
0: Yeah, I was saying Pokemon Stadium too. Yeah, Pokemon
1: on. Stadium sixty four, Kirby sixty four. I have mm-hmm. some. I still have. I mean, it's over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: snap! Yeah, I see that. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that's not my collection. Is actually in my room, so. There's a lot more to it, but, um, Nintendo 64 holds a very special place in my heart. And, you know, growing up, my parents were always giving me the games, the latest console, and it was freaking awesome. And then when I got into undergrad, it kind of took a dip because I got obsessed with a little game called league of legends. And yeah, it was actually funny how it happened because it was, I, I was during the finals period in undergrad of my first year and I had actually broken my leg. So I was bedridden pretty much wow. and I couldn't really like walk around much so I was just on my computer all day and what a perfect time to get obsessed with a game that you can just play on your bed all the time
0: for free so, yeah for
1: free that was yeah. probably part of it so um they didn't like that I was staying up until like 3 a.m 4 a.m playing League of Legends <laughs> <laughs> so, well, who, who, did you,
0: who did you main back in those days oh and my god Ari.
1: Ari Ari mid, and we're, I'm
0: so mid laner
1: Everybody who I started playing with advised me against it because Ari, to begin with, was a high skill cap champ. True, and true. on top of that, mid is a tough role. But very tough. Man, I just loved Ari. And it was funny because at the same time that I was playing or I got obsessed with League, I was watching this uh, Korean drama called, like, uh, My Girlfriend is a Gumiho. It's, like, about a nine-tailed fox. And Ari is a nine-tailed oh, wow. fox. Uh-huh. Right, right. Not so, like, I, I feel you. Yes. And back then, Ari was one of those expensive champs who was, like, 6,300. Yeah. Um, IP, so I had to grind, 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 and yeah. <laughs> ever since then, I guess maybe it's like a product of the first champ you play becomes your favorite, but yep. Yep. even to this day, I've cosplayed like four of her skins, like she's, I still play her, I love to play her, so yeah, but my my parents didn't really like that I was staying up that late, which I get it, you know, maybe one day when I'm a parent, I'll understand, but um, <laughs> when I went to law school especially, I was still staying up late and playing, so... wow. Yeah, their support for that kind of like waned a little. They were like they were like unplug the Wi Fi. I mean, you know how it is. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> Focus yeah.
1: <Hanger's> cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah,
0: no, I understand.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh when they saw my absolute passion for the video game industry and they saw that my love for law came back. When I finally had something to work towards, a goal that yeah. I was striving towards, they right. became fully 1,000% supportive. And, you know, they, they helped me move out to Texas when I finally got the job at Gearbox. And they've just been all around extremely supportive uh, ever since then. So it's awesome.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, having supportive parents goes, goes such a long way for the journey that we all go on. So getting into games here, obviously, we're all about storytelling here at the Must Creative Podcast. And I, I just think games... Are telling some of the best stories out there in you know today's pop culture and and culture in general. So for you, you know, what do you think about games as a storytelling medium?
1: I think games are the best storytelling medium. And this is coming from someone that absolutely loves to read books and used to be like a film buff. In high school, and you know, nice. I just love watching movies and stuff. I think games are the most interactive storytelling medium because you give the players a sense of control in the outcome of the game. It helps yep. you immerse yourself in the experience even more than a book or a movie because you can play a hand in what happens. You can right. die, or you can, you know, and especially in um, story-based like Telltale games, you can choose the outcome of your game. And I know Netflix had something similar that came out with the Black Mirror spinoff. Um, I forgot the name of it. But, uh, I, forget,
0: you, I forget, too. But you know what I'm talking things, about, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. They also did the uh, Minecraft story mode uh, game. Oh. You could actually, like, watch and play along. I did the Minecraft one on Netflix, but you can you can do that, too.
1: That's so cool. I didn't know that there was a Minecraft one, actually, because I feel yeah. like I was late to the party with Minecraft, so I've never really, like, played it too much. But that's awesome. I- I'll oh, look yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Um, but yeah, as as a storytelling medium, I think that they are the most interactive medium there is right now, and it's only gonna get crazier with the advancements in VR and AR, yeah. and yep. you know that buzzword, the metaverse. I don't know, man. Yeah. I think it's coming. <laughs> it's coming.
0: Yeah, it feels like yeah, like I maybe like this past week I read an article on the metaverse. And like every month I see an article pop up saying, oh, is Fortnite, you know, when a new Fortnite release, oh, Fortnite is going to be the metaverse or now we have Roblox. You know, it's just so many things uh, that's going to be the metaverse. And I, I'm glad I'm here for it. I, I read Ready Player One and Two, so <laughs> I'm, I am I want to see it happen. I just yeah. don't know which thing it's going to be that is going to happen. But yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped for it. I mean, I'm very curious to see how it'll develop. We're not quite there yet but the more, the bigger that this industry gets, the more external industries get involved. And I love to see it. Like, you oh, know, yeah. you've seen the rise of like things like NFTs and you're like, right. how does that even like tie into the game world? Like, is that, isn't that just for art? like, no, like there's a huge industry that's bubbling for NFTs in the game industry, where someone could buy something, and right. it is theirs and maybe in the future they could take that thing that they bought and use it in this metaverse where you buy a hat it's yours you can put it yep. on any character you own in any game that you play and i feel like that's crazy but we're we're getting some there there's a lot of money in that industry too and you know when there's money people come knocking so True. i'm very curious to see like where it'll go
0: yeah i mean definitely other things in NFT space are, like, for me that are interesting would be, like, buying digital, like, space or land in, like, mm-hmm. a big big game, like a Roblox or something like that. Yeah. And be able to use that land to put, like, your actual, like, digital business and a place where people can visit that's, like, solely that place in digital space. Right. Yeah. And so just that ownership and that uniqueness to it all mm-hmm. provides, like, a sense of, uh, sense of verification that goes beyond kind of like just a Twitter blue check profile, but yeah. that's kind of it's kind of that, but the, the next elevation of that, for, for sure. NFT, all that's gonna change how we tell stories and how we view video games. But I guess more into the storytelling for video games, and I, I think you'll agree with this, is that it's also like what you take personally out of it and what you tell and share with like friends, mm-hmm. right? And for you, like, do you have, you don't have to say it right now, but you do you have those kind of moments that you can think back in time where it's like, wow, when I played this game and did this move and had this reaction from the boss or like, are those the kind of stories you like to tell friends as you think about uh, nostalgia for like video game uh, gameplay experiences in the past?
1: For sure. And I feel like something to add on to that experience is when you share it with other people. So online co-op games like Borderlands where you're all... Uh, trying to beat this big boss together I think right. is beautiful and it just creates memories for everybody where you always remember, oh, man, that boss was yeah. so annoying, but we did it. Like, we did it yeah. together. Um, yeah. And and I think it's really great. Like, for example, uh, I was streaming uh, Mortal Kombat on Twitch um, a couple months ago, and I was trying to beat this... Person. Like th- there was this mission, <laughs> this task that I had to do and, and I wasn't yeah. getting it the first time because I had to do a specific combo and it just wasn't happening. But I had people right. in the chat cheering me on and encouraging me and the fact that I finally did it after all that, And I think I have it as like a highlight on my Twitch. But the fact that I did it, it just felt like such a shared experience with everybody in the chat that, you know, we did this together kind of. And I think that's really beautiful. I don't need to have somebody specifically next to me to be able to share my gameplay experiences. I can share it with people all over the world if they're tuned into my Twitch and participating and all that. So I think that's really awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially during the pandemic, like having Twitch and using it as a way to communicate with friends and family. But yeah, how does Twitch... Great segue, actually, by the way. How does Twitch affect the lifespan of video games, in your opinion?
1: Twitch really extends the lifespan. And we're talking... There's different avenues that this can take. So, for example, you take old school retro games like Super Mario 64, for example, you know, for I I, I, um, participated in Extra Life Charity. I had my own stream team where I was trying to uh, raise money for kids in hospitals and I was trying to do a speed run of Super Mario 64. That game is really old. It's like over 20 years old at this point. Right. So the fact that you can take an over 20 year old game and bring it back to life, just in a new way i think is beautiful because now you're not just playing the game to play the game but you have an added incentive so you could speed run it you could slow run it like me because i suck um (laughs) you could you know do things where you you can't lose a life uh you can do things where it's like a challenge where you can only use like one button for example like there are ways that people play games on twitch now yeah that kind of incentivize breathing new life into a game by changing a little aspect of how you play it like always coming up with new ways to do it not only that but you think about competitive games that maybe might have died out um earlier but because people are still playing it on twitch giving it that kind of like ad space in a way showing that people are still playing it um encourages others to also want to play that game and i feel like yeah the influencer space is huge with games it's Really a driving factor of getting people to onboard onto the game, but also keep playing it and retain players over time Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, definitely influence influencer our space. It's it's crazy to think that game companies game publishers have to like You know in their marketing budget possibly consult with youtubers and twitch streamers You know to like when they're thinking about the marketing to we release a big triple a game and Yeah, Greenbox,
1: yeah. I uh, I'm actually um heading up that department where it's like we want people to play the games that we publish, Gearbox Publishing. Right. And so we contract with influencers in across the spectrum and we get them to play our game and I feel like it's great. And I'm always so excited when we onboard a new influencer cuz I'm like, "Oh, they're going to be playing our game and showing other people yeah. in the game and it's so awesome."
0: Yeah. No, I mean that that's so wild. Like I I'm I, I think of like my old days in the '90s, and just like no, no, no thought of that ever occurring—that nope. you could get paid for playing games outside of being a, obviously a, a game tester. But yeah, that is so cool. And let's let's talk more about Gearbox software and Gearbox publishing. So, you know, what is your official title at at the company?
1: It is associate counsel. Um I'm on the legal team there and really our legal team is only two people right now it's me and my boss and oh, wow. I'm so grateful yeah I'm so grateful that he took a chance on me um, because I got this job straight out of law school which for anybody who's in law school and wants to go in house we all know that it's a very like long path usually you need tons of experience and right. I'm just blessed and grateful every day that my boss decided to take a chance on me. And I don't want to disappoint anybody at Gearbox. So I give it my all every single day.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I, I think if you just look at coming out of, you know, uh, school in general, like a lot of these industries, tech games, I'm, I'm in the tech industry, getting those high profile jobs at those like places, those companies that you're like dreaming to work at. Man, it's it's a blessing. So, you know, I that's awesome that you have that. Totally. Uh, yeah. what what would you tell people about, you know, who are looking into the games industry, you know, what kind of tips and, you know, could you suggestions would you give people advice?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um this is actually something that I'm very very passionate about. Like I really want to help people get their foot in the door. I can't push them in, but I can at yeah. least try and open the door as much as I can. And the biggest advice that I can give is to It's cliche, but (laughs) never give up because the Mm. ones who make it are the ones who, in the face of failure and rejection, keep going. They stand up and they keep going. And that's the way this industry is. Like, entertainment in general, you kind of have to know someone. That's the way it's been for years. And that's the way it is now. And getting your foot in the door means getting out there, networking with people, and getting to know people in the space. But obviously, genuinely. Because if you show up trying to get to know somebody just because you think they're going to give you a job, that's not real. That's not genuine. And I think that sucks. But if you get to know people on a real level and show your passion for games and for the industry, people see that. And right. and people have gotten a lot better at seeing through like fakeness and inauthenticity. You see that a right. lot with influencers as well. Like you, uh, people this generation are probably smarter. Like I feel like they can catch on when somebody really believes in something or if they got paid to do it. And, right. Yeah, right. it's really important to be genuine and authentic with yourself and with your love for the industry.
0: Yeah, and I, I think what I, going back to your origin story, what I love about your origin story is that you really found like what you love about games and then made that into a passion and then got the job like you know the fact that you volunteered and not and and also did cosplay work and going to conventions building up a community that way but you did volunteer work to help like games through like to help charity to do charity work through games that's big like I feel like a lot of people outside of games don't understand that like maybe a lot you know finger pointers like oh games industry like the games industry does a lot of charitable work and the fact that you're a part of that is just uh, amazing that that shows your passion so it would it you're talking about things like like that as far as showing your passion showing your authenticity
1: yeah um so you want to get your name out there. You want to show people that you are like a force to be reckoned with in the industry and that you are maybe not an authority just yet. Because obviously when you just start, do you really know that much? I don't know, but you can do your best to research. So I was trying to get my name out there. I was writing blog posts on my own website. I was writing blog posts for an attorney because I was just looking for those opportunities to just insert myself in the industry and, get my name out there so in addition to writing those blog posts i was doing the charity streams although honestly the extra life charity streams are something that i'd been doing even before like i was looking for a job in the games industry like i'd been doing that since undergrad um when our our video game club actually had um an extra life charity team and that was my first um uh exposing into that area and i thought it was absolutely beautiful that everybody was on board playing video games for 24 hours straight trying to raise money for a great cause i love that i love that so much everybody should be able to play games you know so definitely um yeah I, i i was really happy that i was able to continue doing it and keep raising money um and that was one avenue through which i could express my passion but also you know through my instagram where i'm just showing my my raw love for the beginning of video games, the retro games, the current games, um, through Twitter where I would put my legal takes, um, through Twitch where I would just stream games sometimes just for the hell of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's so many avenues for people to be able to express what they love and they shouldn't be afraid to do that just because some – and. Granted, I'm coming from one of, like, the worst industries for this because lawyers can tend to be uptight about these things. And there were actually mm. several times that I was in law school and, you know, I mentioned, oh, yeah, video game law. And they're like, video games, isn't that for kids? And I'm like, no. Oh, oh
0: no. wow. <laughs> it's
1: like a billion dollar industry. Dollar business. I was, just, I
0: was thinking the same thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but, you know, they're just maybe stuck in a different mindset. And it's a more traditional mindset. And law is one of those very traditional industries where the status quo is the status quo and it's really hard to change it. And then here comes some, like, you know, 25 year old uh, lawyer to be who's running around playing video games and cosplaying. And it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> busting into the picture doing something different. And people are afraid of change sometimes. But yeah. there are a lot of cool lawyers in this industry that are. Just like other people playing games and doing the thing. And it's not just like the uptight, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm wearing a suit right now, which I think is really cute because it's got a bow. But um, <laughs> I'm not just like stuck up like that. Like, I'm not afraid to be myself. And I, and I really encourage others to be their selves because being inauthentic, people see right through it. And it's not going to benefit you.
0: True. Very true. And as far as games and law, is there, you know, some things you could share that maybe gamers don't know about the intersection of games and law?
1: Well, I think, no, I know that law is involved (laughs) in pretty much every aspect of the game dev process. If you're you're a small studio and you want to get published, there's going to be a development publishing agreement. And Mm. I've worked on those, I've negotiated those, and it's really thrilling because I know that the game studio is very excited to work with a publisher, and we're just helping... You know both our dreams come true we're helping both of our goals align and i think that that's awesome you have um intellectual property questions you know sometimes People, uh, game devs, want to be really daring and bold and funny. And they want to, like, parody something. And it's a fine line that sometimes you have to cross. And that's where legal comes in to be like, hmm, do we want to put this in the game? Maybe not. It could get us in trouble. It's a risk. It's it's all about how much risk you want to take on uh, when it comes to that. But, yeah, legal is involved in pretty much, like, every aspect. Um, And I think it's beautiful that sometimes you may not be an artist you may not be an animator you may not be audio but if you want a job in the games industry you want to be involved in some way there are options for you on the business side on the legal side yeah and i think that that's beautiful that's awesome
0: no definitely and that's what again that i'm so glad to have this interview with you because i i did not even think about oh yeah legal department of course that that totally makes sense right so uh the fact that people oh yeah
1: no, I was just going to say that I didn't either. And that's why I, I didn't even want to like continue with law school. But until I learned that there was video game law as a thing, right. it was an in, like a niche industry, but it's an industry nonetheless. That's right. what like sparked my love for it and my total passion. And that goes for anybody in communications, in accounting, finance. All these big companies need business people. So if you're in yeah. those areas, there's a job for you.
0: Let's talk about Power Up books. Why are you so passionate about reading? And you know, you're not just passionate like, hey, I read a book here and there. That's kind of like me. But you're, you have like a whole Instagram dedicated to this. So tell us about Power Up books.
1: I do. I love reading, and I've loved reading for a long time. I feel like there's so much that you can learn from books. Um, I think books are different from just. Googling something that you want to know because the author has a specific perspective that they want to share with the world. That's why they wrote the book. And I think it's absolutely beautiful to be able to see their take on the facts. Like, yeah, you can Google it and get the facts. But then the author puts their unique spin on those facts and uses them to create a broader point. And I think it's so... Awesome that all of that is distilled into, like, one physical thing or a Kindle or an audiobook, whatever the medium. Um, they're putting out their thoughts in a thoughtful, well-written way. And I, I love reading to learn what they have to say and to be able to gather different perspectives because having a diversity of perspectives is so critical and key to developing your own perspective, because if not, then it might be siloed. But if you can gather as many perspectives as you can, then you can have a more well-rounded view on an issue or an argument or a problem or something. And Power of Books was my way of saying, hey, I love reading. There's so much we can garner from books. I love video games. There's so much we can yeah. get out of video games. How do I marry both of them? Okay, right. well, I have this Instagram where I think about, all right, I read this book and I got the gist of it what video game would relate to this book if somebody mm. read this book what video game would they want to play based on that book and wow. i think about it and i'm like okay well all right got it so now i'm going to make a post about it and i love being mm-hmm. able to like be creative with the post and kind of like make you know a really pretty aesthetic thing out of it so yeah no i love power books and i just really want to share the beauty of reading in general with people and if Casting a wider net by including video games in those posts is the way to do it. Merging my passions. Then I'm super excited to do it. And yeah. I'm, 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 very, I'm very excited to continue to read because I will say this. I feel like everybody goes through dips in reading, playing video games where they just don't feel inspired or they don't feel like it. You know, we all go through mm. it. I've gone through it so yeah. many times. Oh, definitely. Right. And with reading in specific, I there was a period of time that I didn't want to read because I actually went through really sad incidents with the past winter Mm. storm in Texas that just happened where a pipe burst. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy that that thing was like a fire hose straight into my living room. It totally flooded everything in my apartment. Yeah, it was was a tough time because it was also like freezing temperatures outside. So it was rough. But the point is, is that my books got totally wet. And actually just yesterday, I finally decided I'm going to get a bookshelf. Like I'm ready to tackle on reading every morning and making this a habit. And so I cleaned them all up, but a lot of them developed mold from that Piper's incident. So I had to throw out a bunch of them. But actually right there, that's my new bookshelf. And I've been, here's my thing. I've created a rule for myself. I can only put the book on the shelf if I've read it. So that's incentivizing Mm. me and motivating me to finish those books that I never finished reading and then get them on that bookshelf. So you're oh, playing yeah. little games with your mind. To right. You
0: to do yeah. <laughs> no, those motivations, those daily motivations. I think one post I, I really liked from Powerbooks was the idea that just just read like at least one page. You mm-hmm. just get started and then you can see yourself get more and more into the book and then you're reading 10 or 20 pages. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've had to use the same you know motivation for myself as well. Uh, throughout this year because yeah sometimes I love reading books but mm-hmm. then at other times it's like man this is taking too long <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I know me too yeah, me too.
0: yeah. so yeah I, I just love that and thank you for the inspiration as well like and and for anyone listening you know that it's the same thing for you if there's a book you want to read and you feel you know a lot of pressure or you know maybe you're f- afraid to, to read it just start with one page I, I meet people and I say hey I just finished a book it's like oh I'm I don't, I'm afraid to read or I, I can't, I, I'm not really into it. And I think the fear is, is, is something you can overcome.
1: Yeah, no. And I think that that goes for almost anything in life. Uh, It's, it boils down to like habit formation. You know, if yeah. you want to get out to the gym, just go do something simple, go on the treadmill, go like, Do some biceps. Do whatever you're comfortable with. And then next time, build a little bit on that and build a little bit on that and go a little harder than last time. Read a little more than last time. Play a little more of the game than last time. And that's how you develop those habits that make you want to keep doing the thing that you love and are interested in pursuing.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, just that consistency. But I also just want to say, too, you have Gym Leader Vita on IG and then you have power up books, which honestly makes me think of GameStop because I think there was like a like GameStop Power Up Club back in the day. Oh, there was, but,
1: yeah. That's funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I just I I think you're good with the the, the naming, like the on brand game game naming. So maybe well, there's I don't know, future you. career for you. You're welcome.
1: Actually, that's what I love. That's another thing about business that I have a total passion for. That's marketing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. either social media, that's what I got my MBA. And I got an MBA with a concentration in marketing because I legitimately oh, wow. love, yes, I legitimately love people being able to take that thing that they love and getting more eyes on it. And right. if you have a passion for something like I do with the books, like I do with the video games, I just want to get it out there and show it to people. And then how do you do that? Well, through branding, through specific forms of maybe advertising, through like marketing. And I feel like it's such a beautiful thing. So thank you very much. It took me a while to come up with those names, but I did it.
0: Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, that's right. You got an NBA and you got, wow. That's, <laughs> whew. That's awesome. Um, we're getting towards towards the end of our interview, but this has been a lot of fun. I want to get back to games here. What yeah. games got you through the quarantine?
1: Ooh, definitely Animal Crossing. That game could not have come at mm. a more perfect time than yeah, when it true. did. And I think that's that true. almost the entire world would agree with that statement. Yeah. Um, I remember it was funny because I remember Animal Crossing came out the same day that Doom came out and right like there were those crossover memes with like isabel and the doom so this layer yeah yeah this layer yeah so i thought that was awesome but definitely animal crossing that helped me get through the initial quarantine because i was living alone and i couldn't go out so i was like man i am in this apartment for life so Mm. animal crossing borderlands because that was a fun co-op game that i played with my friends we all got on discord and we would play together and it was freaking awesome yeah Yeah. and then you know i'll play league here and there i was trying to stay away from league because that game makes me angry (laughs) and i was like it's so
0: toxic it's like
1: it can be so (laughs) bad literally all i play are arams now because
0: oh wow yeah 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 actually i stopped playing arams because i I, i'm not i i just have fun i'm an ezreal ad carry player nice i had to stop playing arams because uh i i I guess wasn't playing well enough we still won the game but it was so toxic i was like i'm done i'm going back to the rest yeah, I know. So. It, it
1: sucks when like both your team and the other team are yelling at you and they're saying yes. things and it's like, Ugh. Yeah, so now, like
0: we still we still won. I'm yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. So
0: yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um I, I just as a quick question, are you playing any Pokemon Unite at all?
1: Hell yeah! That game yes. is addicting. Yes. It's a problem. Oh my yeah. god, all I think about yeah. is like, oh, I want to get score bunny because I don't want to pay. Um, mm. so I want to like yeah. Get score Bunny. That's the character. The, by the, the way crown? Really like. The crown? What do you mean the crown? Or,
0: oh, sorry, what do you mean by score Bunny? I'm I sorry. I just want to buy
1: the champ. I just want to get oh, the license. Oh, Yeah, got you.
0: yeah I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm saving up for Snorlax. So, yeah. Ah, I, I there you go. Yeah. You. The grind is so it's crazy. Real. crazy. Yeah. It's
1: real. Oh, yeah. my God. And with the thing with Pokemon Unite that's, like, absolutely crazy to me, I mm-hmm. call it Baby League because, yeah, it's a yeah. MOBA. But, like, all right. Yeah. There's MOBAs. There's Dota. There's other MOBAs. Okay, great. But with right. Pokemon Unite... The mm-hmm. barrier to entry is very, very low, so yep. you can have very young children playing this game, and it's probably yeah. designed that way, right? So yeah. sometimes on your team you might have someone who doesn't really get MOBAs, and right. they're just playing to play, and I think it's like crazy the the uh, the range of skill that you get in a game. Like when you're yeah. playing, sta- they're called standards, I guess norms. Um, right. When you're playing right. normals, you can have like. A literal five year old who might be playing the game and just hitting also... a
0: the whole time yes, right.
1: and you I see it sometimes I see them off at another part of the map doing who knows what, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> and like <clears throat> honestly, I think the game has a bit of like uh maybe not bug testing, but like quality of life testing that can happen. for example, yeah. for me, it's not very easy to ping how to do something, not that people would listen right. anyway, but you know how it is in right. a mobile, so <laughs>
0: right, right,
1: um, but there's a lot like, of people like... playing, huh.
0: I was just going to say like oh let's go get dreadnought and it's like forget everyone, please, it yeah let's let's get dreadnought please Ro- right now. Did you say Rodom? Was no, it Rotom? No, Dred- Okay
1: got it Rotom. Okay and the oh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly. Like it's it's crazy, but it's addicting, it's fun. It's on the Switch which is really interesting cuz yeah. you know with most mobiles I've ever played you're on a keyboard and mouse. Um, right. QWER but then with yeah. Pokémon Unite you have an analog stick and like you know the buttons so it's very right. interesting gameplay
0: yeah no no it's it's so I, I love it yeah i'm so addicted and my yes. wife is addicted which is awesome so nice. we just get to play together so no. no i just wanted to ask about that i love that game mm-hmm. um a conference that i love that i i'm gonna return to as soon as i get my game out yeah what is you know, gdc can you explain that for people and what interesting panels did you attend this this last one
1: so gdc is amazing totally amazing and i highly recommend that conference to anybody that's trying to get into the games industry because that conference is actually what got me my job pretty much in this oh wow at gearbox so i have nothing but praise um it's game developers conference that's what gdc stands for it's a conference intended for everyone in the game industry to kind of come together and learn more about the current state of video games um on the business side or on the dev side i was really fascinated by the panels and i think it's really beautiful because you know last year pandemic hit they had to cancel it and it's nice right. I was really pumped about going back and being able to help others get into the game industry as a conference associate, which is what I did. Um, Basically, you're behind the scenes and you're helping run the conference. But at the same time, it's a huge networking opportunity because you're paired with 400 other people that are also conference associates that want to uh, break in or help others break in. So I, you know, uh, GDC helped me break into the industry and I just want to help others. So this year it was interesting because it was virtual and you know, um, it being virtual, maybe the networking opportunities were a little more limited, but I think that the CA community specifically, that's one part came together on discord and played games every night and it was absolutely glorious. Yes. And then you have the actual attendees being able to network virtually in what they had like these remote sessions where you could literally walk into a room. Virtually, and then talk yeah. to people. So it wasn't right. that much different than GDC in the sense that you could still meet people and get your name out there. It's just a True. different medium, and GDC adapted, and it's really great.
0: Yeah, in fact, it might have been even a little bit easier because I remember I attended GDC back in two thousand nine. Okay, I'm so old to ah. say that, but I yeah, and you know, you had like the the on floor networking. But then, obviously, the main networking happens when people go to the like the bars or the restaurants yeah, the and parties. at night. And yes, the parties, and you're like, uh, ho- hi, and you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, I know. And it's, just, it's just like, you know, people know each other and they wanna hang out They may be the one time yep. of the year where they can hang out. So it's just, if they don't know you, it's just you know it's a little hard. hard for them. Yeah, so uh, and that actually might have been easier just to be like, walk into a digital room and at least shout, like, hey, I'm here.
1: I think it's amazing introverts and extroverts can get their fill if these events are both virtual and in person, because then you can choose, do I spend more money and go in person and then go through, you know, everything you just mentioned where it's a little harder, but being in person can have a greater impact on somebody's memory of you. And I don't take that for granted. And that's why I love in-person events. But you also give them the option to go virtual. And for the people who are a little more shy, they can just go into the room, maybe put on their camera if they want, and then network all the same. And I think it's really making it more accessible for people, too. Like I remember one of the comments and I really want to share this because I think it's beautiful. One of the comments, the feedback we got from yeah, one of the attendees at GDC was that they were so grateful that it was online this year and that it was an option because they're deaf. And usually Mm. when they go to panels, they kind of have to lip read. And it's tough. And the fact that every single panel this year had closed captioning made it so that they could really enjoy the panels even more because they didn't have to lip read. They didn't have to have an interpreter or anything like that in order to be able to network with people. No, like they can type and they can engage with the speaker that way, or they can actually like, you know, get the content of the panel more easily because it's more accessible. And I just, I find that beautiful. Like everybody should be able to attend these events and get information and value out of it. So.
0: Oh yeah. So, yeah, that, that actually sounds very interesting. If moving forward, if that's possible to do because I know it's a lot of money, but to do virtual and in person. Yes, that, that sounds amazing. That'd be really cool.
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm really on board with that cause.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. So our last question for you and then we'll move on to some bonus uh, questions. So that's for the Patreon supporters. So get to the Patreon. <laughs> but what is one thing you haven't done, but you're dying to experience?
1: So I think on this one, um, I I'm just gonna like. Because it could be, like, game-related or something, right? But I really just want to travel. And I feel like that's something that, like, anybody that's (laughs) gone through this pandemic just wants to do already. And I don't feel a 1,000% comfortable just yet going to the places that I want to go to, which are Japan, which are Korea, which are other Mm -hmm. parts of Europe, other parts of Asia. Like, I want to go everywhere. And I don't think right right now is the best time. But I am dying to go to, like, the mecca of, like, anime and gaming in some of these places. And I cannot wait until... I don't know what we're waiting for at this point. I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> take it as it comes, but yeah, uh, I really no, want to travel.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Uh, before, right before the pandemic, my wife and I traveled to the UK. It was an amazing experience. Nice. I got to go to Singapore a couple years ago for a business trip. But nice. yeah, I would love to visit Japan. Yes, that, that would be awesome. And also, like for me, Sweden and and Germany, just because of game development, um, you know, centers there. Actually, um, yeah. So yeah, I would I would love love to do some more traveling. We, yeah, we, we'll see what happens. Hopefully things get better exactly. for exactly. us to do it. But thank you so much for this time that you've given us on the Mustard Crate Podcast, Vita. And do you want to do any plugging for websites, IGs, Twitters, anything like that?
1: Yes. So and this is a slash tip in branding as well try and keep your name consistent across all platforms that way people can find you real easy if they want to look for you so my handle everywhere is gym leader vita that's gym leader and that's on twitter that's on instagram um i'm on linkedin too, vita cruz you know if you see gearbox that's me and then and then my website is www.vitacruz.com um, where I, I share my story there, uh, on the main page, but I also write a few blog posts and I have some, I think one of my blog posts is about how I got my job at Gearbox. And I feel like that could prove valuable to people who want just like a different unconventional way of getting into the games industry, especially for, uh, law students because law school is very uh like a traditional route like i mentioned before and for you to step out of that box sometimes is not looked upon favorably by lawyers at law firms or anywhere else but the path i took is totally unconventional and i feel like if you're looking for any kind of um inspiration or ideas for how to get to where you want to go maybe check out that post but uh yeah that's my plugs
0: that's awesome yeah check out the website for sure everybody because the you know vita is very open about her story and it's it's a great read it's just it's just fun to hear someone's journey to read about it so definitely check out the website and uh now if you're a patreon subscriber then you'll be able to hear what's coming up next but thank you everybody thank you Vita, so much for being on the Music creative podcast What a great interview that was with Vita. I'm so happy to talk about the games industry. Let us know if you want more games industry conversations. On next week's episode, I will be going in-depth into the story structure and characters of Wish Dragon, which is an animated film on Netflix. Tap that subscribe button so you don't miss out. And if you want to be featured as a guest on our show, email us at themustycreative at gmail.com and tell us your story. Thanks to our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast possible. If you would like to become a financial supporter of the show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash must creative and help make the show even better. And thank you to Megan, our producer for this episode. We really appreciate your support. That's all we have time for. Remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And now, it's time to shower up.
1: them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.